And I'm going to do a little bit of a review here uh, for those of you who might have missed one of the weeks. And just we, we want to emphasize a few things. Go with me to start off in John chapter 6. John 6 and verse 28 and 29. John 6. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Big question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do? I see Jesus Uh, He's come, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead. We're thinking he might be the Messiah. Now we can ask him, so what is it we must do? And a man, I love the answer here. He says, verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Amen? Everybody say, to believe. So we started off this Created to Be series with, uh, we said four things we want to talk about. Number one, believe, belong, become, and build. We want to believe in Jesus, praise the Lord, and be saved, inherit eternal life. We want to belong to his family. We want to, what I'm going to talk about today, we want to become a follower, become a disciple, and then we want to also be involved in building his kingdom. God requires, the work of God is this, is to believe in the one he has sent. John chapter 20, 31 puts it this way. Let's flip there. John 20, verse 31. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. But these are written, these things are written in this Bible. We open it up, we read it, we study it. Why? These are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ, he's the one, he's the Messiah, he's the one that came to save us. They're written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. How do we have his life, eternal life? By believing in him. Hearing him preached, listen to him, uh, listen to him open his word, study, seek him, you shall find. And when you come to believe, praise God, you have life in his name. Now, I mentioned during that first week that we believe to receive eternal life, but I talked about we want to continue to believe, church, to have abundant life. We believe and we receive eternal life, praise God, we're born again of his kingdom by faith in him, and that's just the beginning. Now we want to continue in believing, continue to learn and grow in everything he did and said, everything he taught, that we might have abundant life. Praise the Lord. We want to continue into abundant life. We mentioned a a verse in Numbers 14.11. And and we set that up, Numbers 14, they were about to enter the promised land. They had come out of Egypt, the bondage of that sin. They had crossed the Red Sea. They had gone through the wilderness, and they were supposed to go straight into the promised land and start conquering and winning victory after victory. But they refused to believe that they could make it. And in Numbers, this verse in Numbers we mentioned... So these spies went out, they come back, 10 of them don't believe they can do it, 2 of them do, Joshua and Caleb, they give a bad report, and the people say, we can't do it, we can't go in. And God says this in Numbers, he says, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long? 
will they refuse to believe? See, they didn't go in because they refused to believe. They refused to uh, believe that the God who uh, saved them, took them out of Egypt, could bring them to the promised land. I want to tell you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you've been born again of his family, then he wants you to have not only eternal life, he wants you to have abundant life now. He wants you to have the kingdom life in you, spreading through you, hallelujah, and reaching out to others. He wants you to be an overcomer. Again, I've said it this way before, Jesus didn't die on the cross, cleanse you from your sin, that you could barely make it through this life and one day get to the by and by. He came to make you an overcoming conqueror to give you abundant life now. Amen? And have that continue forever. So why didn't they go in? Same reason why some Christians today don't walk in the abundant life. They don't want to believe for everything and all the promises God has for us. They want to believe to escape hell, but they don't really believe that they can win over this struggle this sin, this addiction, this problem, this marriage struggle, this strife trouble, this job problem. They don't believe that God wants to bless them in all these areas. They just think, well, I'm going to escape hell. That's good enough. No, no. He wants you to go into the promised land. Praise God. He wants you to kick some butt and win, hallelujah, and conquer all those areas because what he's done in you is good enough to do it. Yes. Amen? He didn't leave us short. So why didn't they enter in? The Bible says they didn't enter in because of unbelief. Praise the Lord. We mentioned, praise God, that he was, in, in Hebrews it says, they would not enter in because of their unbelief. Hebrews 3, 7. Let's go ahead and flip there. I want to show you something. Deep in the New Testament... Flip through your pages almost to Revelation. Hebrews, James, Peter. Hebrews chapter 3. And now he's quoting from the Psalms. He's quoting here from Psalm 95. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, when your fathers tested me and tried me for 40 years, they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. So then he warns us. He's saying, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but let's encourage one, a day, one another daily. I'm so glad we're here. As Brian said, worshiping together, encouraging one another, hearing the word, that we can discuss the word together, lift each other up, and carry it through the week. Amen? Not just coming on Sunday, say, oh, I went to church, check off, that was a good message, but meditating on it, thinking about it. And moving forward in our walk with him. See to it that we don't do what they did. He says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did. Now verse 16, watch this. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did he, God swear, would never Enter his rest, 
if not to those who disobeyed. Now, why did they disobey? Verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. You see, God wants you to believe. We believe in Jesus. We become part of his family. We're born again. But he wants to continue to believe in all of his precious promises, in everything he has for us, and step into everything. Amen? He wants you to have abundant, blessed life. We talked about believing in Jesus the second week. We talked about belonging to his family. I mentioned that church, we all have a desire to belong. And really deep down, when you get right to it, it's a desire to belong to your creator. We all want to belong to a group. We want to belong to folks who think and act and talk like us, whatever. We want to, we want to have a click. We want to fit in. We, we have a desire to belong. But really, what's that, what's you're reaching out for is inside of you, inside of everybody in the world, there's a, a hole in their heart wanting to know and wanting to belong to the one who created them. People have a desire to know their father. Folks, that's why there's all these religions in the world, because people want to get to the higher power. Amen? There's all of this talk out there about all these different ways to reach the higher power. As long as you believe and it's sincere in a higher power. Well, folks, you can, you can have faith and be sincere and find out when you die, you've had faith in the wrong thing and been sincerely wrong. There's one way to the one true higher power, and his name is Jesus. You receive eternal life by believing in him. This is the work that God requires to believe in the one he has sent. That's how we enter into relationship with God. That's the only way. And when we do believe, then we belong. The only way you can fulfill that desire, folks looking to belong here and there, is when we belong to God and we know it that sense will be fulfilled. And when you start walking in this and know who you are in Christ, you'll have a peace that passes understanding. You won't have that emptiness of having to belong here or there. You can belong to God and you can belong to his family, the church and the worldwide body of Christ. Amen? We have a desire to belong. But I mention this to you. Last week I said, but there's bad news and there's worse news. And then, praise God, there's good news. Isaiah 59.2 says, but your iniquities has separated you from God. Let's be clear. You know, we, man sinned at the fall. And in that fall, we had a fallen nature. And our iniquity separated us from the harmony of walking with the God who created us. Adam and Eve enjoyed that for a while. And then sinned. When sin came in, death came in. There was a separation that took place. God still loved them, but they didn't have the relationship they had. There was a separation that took place. That's, that's the thing. There's a separation in people's lives all over the world that are separated from a walk with their creator, and they have a desire to belong, a desire to meet that need, and the only way it will be met is when they're right with their creator again. Amen? So Isaiah calls it out. All have sinned, been separated, our iniquities has separated. And the worst news I mentioned after that is the only way to get back right with a holy God. 
The only way to have a relationship with him, it's like entering a group, you know, you got to become one of them. To walk with God, you got to become more like him. And the only way to do that, the mark to get in, I told you, is perfection. All have sinned. I told you last week, have missed the mark. Not the target, but the bullseye. You see, the way to get in isn't the target. It's the bullseye, not once, but every time. So we've all fallen short of that, and there's a separation that's taken place. But the good news is, praise the Lord, Jesus hit the mark for us. Jesus hit the mark. He who knew no sin, he became sin. Now, one thing I wanted to add to, I didn't mention last week. I want to put this in and understand. He hit the mark for us, but he also took the penalty of us not hitting the mark. The penalty for not hitting the mark is death. The way to get in isn't by, you know, quit being bad and now start being good. No, the only way in is to hit the mark perfectly every time, all the time. And we can't do it because of our fallen nature. So Jesus comes, Emmanuel, God with us, born of a virgin, becomes one of us, and he's not the first Adam who fell, but he's the second Adam who gives life, and he hit the mark, and he hit it every time, and he's willing to give us his score. He made the shot for us and willing to give it to you. I'm right with God based on his performance not my performance. Praise the Lord. But the other thing he did, he couldn't just give that to you without paying the price. The penalty was death. So he who knew no sin, he became our sin. Now guys, that's why he said while he's on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had never called him my God before. All of a word, you can look it up. He always called him Father. He always called him Abba, Daddy, God, a close, intimate relationship. He walked in pure harmony with God, praise God, like God, one with him, perfect unity and harmony but now there's a separation between him and god why is he separated because the iniquities of us all was laid on him and at that time he was despised rejected and forsaken because he became your sin this is why he he cried out you know, in the garden, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't concerned about the, the pain so much of the whip. He wasn't concerned about, about the crucifixion. He was trusting God to handle all of that. What he was concerned about is this separation when he became our sin. You see, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like, well, shouldn't have he have known what was about to happen? Shouldn't he have known that he was going to be forsaken? Shouldn't he have foresaw this and understood? Well, he did in a way, but he had never felt it before. He had never experienced being separated from the Creator. And now that intimate walk 
walking with God and knowing he's right with him, knowing and being secure that I'm the beloved of God, knowing who he was, now all of a sudden he doesn't and he feels it and he cries that out. You see, put it this way, you know, we were born with a sin nature and that was rejection by God. There's a separation there. Oh, he loves us enough to send his son to fix the problem, but you can't walk with him. There's a separation. Now watch this. He was despised and rejected that we might be accepted. He was despised and rejected by men, accused falsely, criticized, spit upon, and all these things became our sin, and now the wrath of God, the punishment for sin, the anger and wrath against sin because sin hurts us. That's why God hates sin. That's why I hate sin, because it hurts people. It's evil. It's horrible. I hate it. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin of what it does to people. God hates it. And the wrath of God on sin fell, which should have been my punishment, fell on him instead of you. And he was forsaken and felt that rejection. But praise God, the good news is, church, God accepted that payment in your place fully once and for all. That when you believe, you have his life now in you. You get his score on hitting the mark every time, forever, and your sin is never counted against you again. Hallelujah! Never! Now, I have this life. I know that I have eternal life, and I know that I belong to the family of God Based on what Jesus did, I belong to his family. And even though I have this and I'm right with God in my performance, I miss the mark still, but I already have his score. It never leaves me. So he, the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me and shows me how to continue to grow. But praise God. I always belong. I'm never kicked out of the family. Church, if you're in Christ, if you believe, and I don't think you would come to worship him if you don't, or maybe you've come to see and you're starting to believe, that's good. When you believe Jesus died and rose again and recognize that you were separated from God and you need him to fix it, praise God, you'll be saved. And when you are, you belong to the family, praise God, and you belong to the body of Christ, his church, his body. You are welcome, you are accepted, and you'll never be rejected. You might feel rejected by men, by people, by folks falling short, but God loves you and accepts you. You see, he not only wants us to believe and belong and know that we belong, but praise God, The next step, what I'm going to talk about today, he wants us to become 
followers, disciples, and then go on to build his kingdom. So we believe in Jesus. We belong to his family. Now we're become and we're becoming followers, students, learners, like Christ. We become a, 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 good, a good teacher will impart who he is into his student. His students will become like him. We're becoming like Christ because he's the teacher. This, his spirit lives in us and is revealing Christ to us more and more. And as we see him, hallelujah, for who he is, we become like him more and more. They were first called Christians in the city of Antioch because they were acting and talking and believing like Jesus. They were becoming like him. Folks, you're not only called to be in his family by believing and belong to him, but you're also called to become more and more like him. Amen? Hey, and let me tell you something. He is working it out of you. He has put this in. This seed of God, his word, will reproduce its kind. The apple tree, the apple seed reproduces the apple. The corn reproduces corn. The oak reproduces oaks. And the seed of God, his word, that you have believed and received in fertile ground will reproduce Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you're not only believing for salvation that's far off one day. No, you have it now and you belong to his family now, not when you die and make it to heaven or welcome in. You've been welcomed in now and you'll never be rejected. He was rejected for you. He was despised for you. He was forsaken. You'll never be forsaken. You're in his family. Now we're in the process of being sanctified, growing in it and becoming more like him. Amen. Hallelujah. And I am confident, very confident in each one of us, and myself included, that he which began a good work in me, Brian, will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. I am confident that the seed I swallowed was a good seed. It's Jesus. And that seed will reproduce only its kind. Receiving Christ can't produce evil. Receiving Christ is going to reproduce Christ in you. Amen? Praise God. Today, today you're becoming more like Christ. Today the seed that's in you is being watered right now as I speak with the word. You're under the washing of the water of the word of God. We're speaking the word. The word Christ is here speaking through me to you. Christ is in you and the Holy Spirit in you recognizes the Holy Spirit in me speaking his word and you're being strengthened with the washing of the water of the word. Right now you're becoming more like Christ. Right now, hallelujah, it's happening. I see it. I see it in you. Amen? It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's alive. We're not going through the motions of the church. This is the body of the living Christ. He's alive in us now. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Second Peter 1.4. If you've got your spot in Hebrews, just flip a few more pages. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 4 says this. Through these, he's talking about, watch this, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everybody say His divine power. Okay, it says has given us. 
everything we need for life and godliness. How does it come? Watch this. It comes through the knowledge of Him. So as we grow in knowledge of Him and His Word, we're growing in the life and godliness of Him. We're becoming more like Him as we grow in it. That makes perfect sense, right? Amen? Hey, some receive a word, they hear about salvation, they hear about their sin, they know they need to get saved, hear about that, and then the next several years, all they hear about is their sin and their salvation again. Not with the purpose of the church. We're here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We do the work of evangelists and reaching the lost too. But on the majority of Sundays here, I'm talking to the saints, and I don't want to talk about your sin and your need for salvation. That's done. I want to equip you to grow you into Christ more like so that you can go reach the lost out there. So many churches get it backwards. Always trying to pick on people's sin to get them saved again. Praise God, you're saved, hallelujah. You've been born into the family of God. Now we want to equip you with the knowledge of him that you can become more like him. And when folks see Christ in you, they'll get saved. Amen? Amen. That's pretty clear. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. So it goes on to say, through these, the great and precious promises, His divine power, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature Folks, I was born of Adam, separated from God by sin, have come to know Christ, and have been born again. Now I participate in the divine nature. We did have a sin nature. Saints, listen to me. You did have a sin nature. Now I'm prophesying to you. Now you don't. You don't have a sin nature. You have a, if you're a Christian, you have a divine nature. You have the nature of God in you. The leftover sin remnant that you struggle with is in between your ears, in your soulish realm, not in your spirit. He circumcised your sin nature out of you with a circumcision not done with human hands, took it away, nailed it to the cross, buried your sin nature with him in death, rose again, and you are a new creation in Christ without a sin nature. You've just been plugged into the wrong stuff so long, you're, not, you're having trouble getting out of it. But if you plug into this stuff, hallelujah, you'll start walking out what's in you. Amen. Hallelujah. You've been made a participant of the divine nature. Come on, don't, don't we, can, can, you, can you say that and believe it? Can you, can you say that, hey, God lives in me? Folks, God is holy 100%. And he lives, I've been, I've been dwelling on this a while. I've been saying this every service for a while. So we get it in our heart. God couldn't live in you. You couldn't be a Christian. He couldn't live in you. If you were unclean, God's holy. Okay? I'm not talking about your actions out there, what you do. I'm talking about who you are. When you receive Christ, He cleanses you 
completely. Your spirit completely becomes made new. It's born again, holy and righteous, and your spirit doesn't sin. It's real quiet, Bonner. (laughs) They're letting it sink in. You know, we have a, a wide variety here, some that's been with me 20 years and know this and teach this with me in Africa. And we have some brand new in the last few months or the last couple years. It, it just it takes a while to really hear the word, to believe it, who we are in Christ. You see, you still have, you see, your spirit, soul, and body. Your soulish realm and how you live, your mind, your will, and emotions is not completely renewed yet. But your spirit has already been transformed 100%. God could not live in you if you were not cleansed by the blood. And when you're cleansed by the blood, you're cleansed completely so that God could live in you. Your actions outwardly doesn't nullify the blood. Come on. And I, 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 I got this, man. Hayes, I got this where it's a part of me. I've been walking in it 20 years. I know this. I love, this is real. Thus saith the Lord. I'm sure of it, man. Okay? When you're cleansed, you're cleansed by what he did 2,000 years ago, and that cleanses you once and for all. If you sin now, Andy, do you, does Jesus have to go back to the cross to pay again? Or what he paid 2,000 years ago, that blood was precious enough, accepted by a, for a payment for your sin yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. Did he cry out on the cross to tell us yes. it is finished forever? Yes. Yes. Receive the word of the Lord. Amen. It's good news, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it good news? Cleanse forever. Because of this, in the knowledge of this word, in the truth of it, It makes me want to honor him in what I do, Clayton. It makes me want to honor him. He gave his life. He died for me. I want to live for him. But it comes with knowing who you are. Jesus was baptized in the river, came up out of the water, and a voice said, this is my son whom I love. And with him... I am well pleased. God said, I'm not pleased with you, Jesus, because of what you're doing and how good a boy you are. I'm pleased with you because of who you are. You're mine. You know, I see these babies, and I see these parents, my little daughter, Jessie, and they just love that baby. They just, the whole world changes. And they just love that. I was teasing Donna when the baby first came. Well, Donna, you think you'll... After a few weeks, you can grow to love that thing. (laughs) No, no. It was instantaneously. Why? Because it's hers. It's part of her family. Well, when you're born again, you belong to God. You're never rejected. You're always accepted, not based on your performance, but based on who you are. If that baby wakes you up at 3 in the morning and starts puking and going to the bathroom and you got to stay up all night, do you no longer, now, now you no longer like it? Or, you, it? or it doesn't matter, the performance doesn't matter, you still love her, no matter what. It's unconditional. Even if, she, even if she's kind of keeping you up, even if, she's, even if she's crying when she shouldn't be. Really? 
has she mowed your yard yet? Has she washed any dishes? Does she fold any towels? What does she do? He loves you, not based on your performance of what you do. He loves you because you're his. Jesus heard that voice of everybody else. I'm loved and he's pleased with me. With that knowledge of who he is, that he belongs. You know what he did next? He went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and nights straight, and he never failed. Why did he not fall? Because he knew he was secure and belonged to God. Only one time did he feel separated. On the cross, when he became the separation for us. Why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken that you could be forever accepted. You don't have to go seeking to belong to this group, that group, that group. Buddy, when you're in Christ, you belong to God. I have a peace. Praise the Lord. I eat at restaurants sometimes. People say, well, brother, are you eating alone? Dude, I'm never alone. <laughs> I enjoy sometimes being by myself because it's, it's me and God walking and talking. I like where I'm never alone. I'm involved. Hey, I'm in, the, I'm in the best group ever. I'm in the cool group. I'm with the cool guys. Hayes, dude, we're with the cool guys. We're with Christ in his kingdom forever. I know who we are. Folks, not only do you, did you believe and come to Christ, you belong to his family, and now we're becoming more and more like him by his word. Right now, you're a participant in the divine nature. He's in you. Now, a little funny story. It's in the word. This is funny to me. Go to Mark chapter 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's look at it together. Mark 9. You see, we are born with that sin nature, and the sin nature is self-centered. Everybody say self-centered. Okay? You know, again, let's go back. Does that baby think, well, I'd cry right now, but my parents are asleep? <laughs> well, I'd, you know, I'd go to the bathroom right now, but I don't, but, you know, I know, I know my mom just cleaned that up, so I won't do it now. I'll wait. Does the baby think that way? No, you're born self-centered. Me, me, me. All I got to do, that's all you know as a young child. That's all you know. We are born with the sin nature that's self-centered. Me, me, me. I want. Okay? The disciples, you have to grow out of that. We grow out of that. We're born again in our spirit, but our mind doesn't know it yet. And we have to renew our mind to become more and more like Christ. You become more and more selfless instead of selfish. Jesus humbled himself. Everybody okay, church? Y'all still following me? Y'all all right? Okay. Uh, Jesus humbled himself out of selflessness and came to this earth to be born in a manger, to become one of us out of love, completely unselfish for him. He loved you so much. He wanted you and his family. Amen. He did it all for us. Now, Watch what these guys are talking about. Mark 9, verse 33. Flip over there so you can read it too. They came to Capernaum. 
when he was in the house, he asked them, what were y'all arguing about on the road? See, he knew. (laughs) They were arguing on the road. So he asked them, guys, what's up? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Come on, think about it. The disciples been with him for a while, watching things going on. They're in his little group now. They're thinking, well, well, who's going to be the greatest, you know? And they started arguing. Well, I've done this. Well, you still do that, but I've done this. Hey, churches do that. We're more holy than we wear our sleeves longer than yours. Your church watches TV. Ours don't. Who's the greatest? We're more holy than thou. Hello? They were arguing who's the greatest follower of Jesus. Who's, who's the best? Wow. You know, he said, it says, but they kept quiet. They didn't want to answer. He knew what they were arguing about. They're arguing about who's the greatest. And they said, what are you guys arguing about? Uh, well, Peter was talking about the weather. John said it was a real nice day. They didn't want to tell him they were arguing about who's the greatest. They kept quiet. You all with me? Sitting down. You know, he didn't stand up to yell at them. He sat down with them. Jesus called the 12 and he said, if anyone wants to be the first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Now that's deep. That doesn't go with our old nature's mindset. If anyone wants to be the first. You see, they had the mindset, guys, that the Messiah was coming to raise an army to overthrow in Rome. See, we can't relate in America. We've never had our streets taken over by another country. France has. Belgium has. You know, Czechoslovakia has. When the German Nazi tanks rolled into Paris and the, the, their militaries walking around the streets, could you imagine the Russians walking the streets of Winsboro with their guns and their tanks and we're under them? That's what it was like in Jesus' day. The Romans were walking around the streets. The Romans were ruling the area of Israel. It belonged to Israel by God, and yet another foreign country was running, and they were crying out for the Messiah to come and kick some butt and wipe out Rome and become a kingdom on earth. That's their whole mentality. And he tells them, you know, who's going to be the greatest? You know, in, in, in Matthew, it tells the same story, and it really, you know, uh, um, James and John later get their mom to go and say, hey, got a favor to ask you, Jesus. When you come into your kingdom, when we wipe out Rome and you're setting up your government, would you let my sons, James and John, sit on your right and your left? James and John, it, one, uh, Mark says they asked, and the, uh, Matthew says the, the mother asked. When you, when you become king, can we, you're, you're going to be your first, Jesus. We recognize that, but we want to be second. So we'll be under you, but over everybody else. That's what they were asking. And he said, hey, you don't realize what you're asking. You want to sit on my right and my left? You didn't realize that the word says, I'm going to separate the right and the left. Some are going to go to hell and the others to heaven. You don't realize what you're asking. You don't realize what you're asking, who, the, who God has given this to, what's going on. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink and be baptized what I'm going to be baptized? You know what they said? They said, yes, we can do it. Jesus said, well, okay, well, surely you will. They're going to, you're going to be, you know, he knew they're going to be persecuted too. 
for righteousness sake. I think the Fox's Book of Martyrs says James was killed after come, you know, and, uh, you know, John was exiled. So yeah, 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 you're going to go through some stuff. But he said, look, here's how the kingdom works. It's opposite of the world. Whoever wants to be higher up in my kingdom must be the servant of all. This is complete. Guys, we have to become like him. And his heart is not my will be done. I haven't come to do my will, but yours, God. Now we are born again, have that in our spirit, and we become like him by walking with him, talking with him. The seed in, of him is reproducing us, and we become a servant to all. So you want to be the greatest in the kingdom? It's completely opposite of the world. Then he taught them, he gave them a picture lesson of it. On his last day with them, you know, they came in in the house that time. You'd, you'd walk in from the streets in your sandals, dusty. The, the, the owner of the house would meet you at the door, take your coat, whatever. And then the lowest servant of the house would wash your feet. You'd take your shoes off. He'd wash your feet. Now you can go into the house because, hey, you've had a bath. You got ready for your meeting. But your feet are dusty because you had to walk in the road and it was sandals. Okay. So they wash your feet, and then while you go into the room to eat, the servant would then wash your shoes. So they come in for the Last Supper in a house they're borrowing, and Jesus becomes that servant and washes their feet. And then he says, you see what I've done for you? You recognize me as rabbi, as teacher. Now go and do this for others. He didn't say, okay, now I do this for you, so come back and do it to me. He said, go do it to others. Okay? So this is what we do. You know, okay, so watch this. What I'm saying is, we believe, and we're born again. We belong to the family, because you're accepted now by what Jesus did. But now we're growing and becoming like him by the knowledge and truth of his word. And we're reprogramming our brain. I like to say it like this. Your brain computer has been plugged in to iOS 6, the world system. And now iOS 10 or 11 or where are we at now? 12 has come in. So you got to unplug your brain from the old system of the world and plug it into the kingdom system of God. Good word. Amen. That's why we come. That's why you're here. We come regularly. We have small groups. We meet. We talk. We discuss the word. Learn about him. And as you learn about him, you're becoming like him. Folks, we got a church full of servants of God. Now, he doesn't even call us servants anymore. He calls us friends. But we're friends of God with a servant's heart. We serve one another. Becoming more like him. Becoming more selfless. And less selfish. Got it? In marriage counseling, in marriage, Brother Raymond, we hear this all the time, you know, well, you know, I need him to, I want her to, me-isms, me, 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 I want this, I need this, I want this, I want that. You become more like Christ when you forget about what you want and need, and you care about what others want and need, and you put others' wants and needs ahead of your own now you're becoming Christ-like. So, so God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in heaven saying, okay, this fall's coming up, 
And when they fall, their nature is going to be, you know, really messed up, and they're going to be very selfish, self-centered. What should we do? And one of them said, let's give them someone to live with permanently, a wife. Now you have to become less selfish and more selfless, right, because you got someone else. So, oh, if that doesn't work all the way, let's give them kids. Now they got to get up at 3 in the morning. Hey, it's a process. Folks, dealing with people is God's process to help you become less self-centered and more about others. Come on, I'm speaking, I'm speaking to hearts here. I'm speaking to your spirit too, and it's changing you right now because many of you are you're receiving this right now, and it's going to change you because we're going to do what Brian said. We're taking it in, and it's going to become a part of you. And even today, something's going to happen, and this word's going to rise up, and you're going to choose to be less selfish and more selfless. There's going to be a pile of dishes, and instead of waiting for your wife to do it, you're going to go do it. Can I get any amens, men? Can I get any amens, women? You care about the other person more than yourself. Hey, a teacher came. Come on, help me, Lord. A teacher came and asked Jesus, what, what, so what's the greatest commandment? They didn't have 10. They, now watch this. They had 613 commandments, and 365 of them were negative, and the other 200 and something were positive. And of all the commands, they said, what is the greatest? So Jesus answered him. He started singing. Hear, O Lord, hear, O Israel. And he began, love God with all your heart. And it wasn't different or weird for them to hear that because they sang it all the time. They sang that first command. Hear, O Israel, love God with all your heart. He's first. Well, he knew he got that right in this man's mind. But then he blew him away with the next one. In Leviticus... With 365 negative things lined up, bam, bam, bam. There was a part that said, don't do this. And then there was added part next to it. Don't go out for vengeance. And then in a little, one little liner that they overlooked for 2,000 years. But love your neighbor as yourself. And when he said that was the second, they freaked we never heard that one. They don't preach that in my synagogue. I know all the commands. I've been studying this as a kid. He brought out a little known one that they rarely talked about in Leviticus, and it was a subline of the first. He said, love God with all your heart. And the second one, the second most important that I'm going to show you is love your neighbor as yourself. Put your neighbor ahead. And while when they heard that, began to think, what? What is this new radical teaching? Lay down your life. We thought others should serve us. We climbed the ladder of success and put more people under us. And we criticize others to make us look good. Now Jesus is coming. We humble ourselves and we serve others. And that's the way of the kingdom. And put others ahead of yourself. Folks, then... As we become more like him, the last part, we're building the kingdom. Everywhere he preached, he said, repent, for the kingdom is now. The kingdom is at hand. Repent. Change the way you think. It's not about overthrowing Rome. Change the way you think. The kingdom has come. 
I have brought it. I've come from heaven to earth. I brought the kingdom of God with me. It's in me. And if you believe in me, the kingdom of God is now in you. Now go and build the kingdom by advancing this kingdom. He gave the disciples he, he gave the, that spirit in them. He said, heal the sick, cast out the devil, you know, preach the good news. And everywhere they went, watch this church. Okay, now, come on, see the whole picture. I'm closing. You know, you, we were separated from God by our sin. We were forsaken, rejected. But because Jesus was accepted, we are in him. He was forsaken that we can be accepted. Now the blood was accepted. He's accepted. And we're in him accepted. So we're in the family of God. We believe in him. We belong to him by his word. We're becoming like him. And with that knowledge in us, we're building and advancing his kingdom he taught us to pray thy will be done okay our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name he says he says thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven you know he taught your kingdom come now the the, the goal is his kingdom is within us and everywhere i go watch this i'm a conduit here we are on this physical earth but heaven meets earth wherever i walk the kingdom is in me. Now I'm bringing the kingdom to Franklin Parish along with all the other Christians that have brought the kingdom. We're bringing the kingdom to Africa. We take the kingdom with us to our workplace. We bring the kingdom to our family and our children and our children's children. The kingdom is within you. Walk it, talk it, live it. Others see Christ in you and the kingdom advances. It's like a mustard seed. It spreads and it fills the whole earth. I'm so happy to be a part of a church that's advancing the kingdom locally. You know, through Fresh Start too, guys come from all over the place. We plant the kingdom in you. You take it back to your city and plant it there. Hallelujah. We take the kingdom word to Africa, to India. It's advancing. And this is just one local church. Think about the hundreds of thousands of churches who are doing their part in their city and advancing the kingdom around the world. I'm telling you, we're in end time revival. The kingdom is advancing rapidly and you're a part of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.